Welcome, friends, to Merit's Musings. This is a podcast for educators in the very broadest sense. I'm a public school teacher and a youth minister in my church and a parent. I've dedicated my life to helping people grow and to learn. And I'm something of a writer and a poet, someone who loves language both for its artistry but also its power. In this podcast, I'm going to explore some of my informal thoughts on what it means to be human, especially in the context of being an educator, a minister, and a parent. Often I will orient my musings around a poem I love, because any time I spend talking about poetry is time well spent in my book. I might also talk a bit about my dogs. If you're not the type of person who enjoys a little random dog talk, this may not be the podcast for you. I invite you to join the conversation. Feel free to write me with your thoughts and feedback. My contact information is on our website, meritsmusings.buzzsprout.com, and my Facebook page. And now on to this week's episode. I'm back. This is my first podcast since contracting COVID-19 in August of 2021. So it's been six months without a merits musings. Uh, I had a very light case of COVID, um, although I have some lung problems. So the exhaustion was very real and lasted for months. And then school became, and to some degree still is, nearly all-consuming as I moved forward. I'd like to thank all those people who reached out to me and encouraged me to take up musing once again, especially my current students who found this podcast in some hidden corner of the internet. I can't believe that anyone who has to listen to me for an hour each day would want to hear even more from me. And some of those students have me twice, which seems like an awful lot of Jason Merritt, but I'm grateful for their encouragement. Uh, Some uh, have even prompted me to recite my own poetry in this podcast a step I'm not quite ready for, but who knows where the muse will take me. But through it all, through the COVID and the teaching, I have been doing my usual, observing myself and observing my students and observing my small slice of the world and musing over snatches of poetry, some half-remembered and some poems that roll through my head word perfect. Which brings me to today, the first episode of Season 2 of Merit's Musings. I do hope you enjoy it. Today's poem is I Am Not I by Juan Ramon Jimenez. I am not I. I am this one, walking beside me, whom I do not see, whom at times I manage to visit, and whom at other times I forget, who remains calm and silent while I talk, and forgives gently when I hate, who walks where I am not, and who will remain standing when I die. So, of course, the fundamental question is, why did I pick this poem? And it's because I've been thinking a great deal recently about perception and identity. Specifically, I've been thinking a lot and praying a lot about some of my students who seem so disengaged from school. And, of course, adolescents disengaged from school, that is always part of the American educational experience, and I assume the educational experience around the world, but I have a limited view. But now, coming out of COVID, with all of the changes, it seems that levels of disengagement um, are much higher than I recall from three years ago. A little background, I teach two levels of students in American educational hierarchy. I teach those students who have been sorted into the advanced world, or students who are studying well above their age and grade, 
and a different population of students who are struggling who read well below their age or grade. And over the years that I've been teaching both these populations, I've learned a strange and important secret that intelligence is evenly distributed among those two populations, which is a bit of a blasphemy or a bit of a heresy in educational circles and in school circles, because it's easy to think and to assume that one population, the advanced kids, are smarter than the other population. Because how we measure intelligence in the school system says that the advanced kids are better. And they are better at one particular thing, which is they are better at taking the tests that show that they are better at taking the tests. They've learned how to be great students. And they get rewarded for being great students with praise and grades and prizes. And so they're motivated to become even better students. And that's a wonderful cycle that promotes academic excellence. And I'm not going to take anything away from that. That's great. I wish all of my students had that level of enthusiasm for education. But I teach another population of students who are not good at taking tests, for whom formal education has not been successful. These are students who have often been disappointed, sometimes even ashamed, sometimes even punished when they take the exact same test that the advanced students take. Their experience has not been one of praise, reward, but of criticism, of lost opportunities, of being grounded, depending on the sort of dynamics happening in their house. And so over the years, for those students, schooling has become less and less motivating because they've become less and less successful. And we again have the exact same cycle that we see above with the advanced students but now it's a cycle that discourages academic participation and academic excellence because it's all risk and no reward. Whereas for the advanced students, the risk is almost always minor and involves sort of stress and time and pain, which is real. But the rewards are going to come. They're confident. They believe in them. And because they believe, it's, it's you know, very pixie dust, because they believe it happens, right? But here's the key between the advanced and my struggling students is that they are equally as smart. The struggling students just don't show it in school. What I have found again and again and again is like, is the kid who won't memorize 12 vocabulary words for a quiz knows all the lyrics to all the songs she loves, letter perfect, word perfect and has a vibrant vocabulary full of nuanced slang words that I can only guess the meaning of, but seems so rich and so emotional, so vibrant, so effective in communicating, that, of course, the 12 words I want her to learn from this list are not very useful for her. She's got better words already. Why would she bother? And the kid who won't or can't concentrate on reading a full page of written text can play a video game for hours, develop and implementing complex strategies that will win the game, testing those strategies, coming up with nuances, and, uh, contingency plans, doing all of those test-taking skills that I want to see when they're taking the SAT. 
but they're not useful for the SAT, or he doesn't believe they are, but they're incredibly useful for killing the boss. Or that kid who won't participate in small group discussions and always shuts down when I put them in a group. She belongs to a complex social network, mostly virtual, and is attuned to the smallest changes in relationships. And the characterization analysis on a text is not meaningful to her, but she can read the tiniest clues from her friends to understand where they are emotionally and how to interact with them. Final example, uh, that kid who seems so dull and lifeless in class, who I can't get to talk to me in any way beyond a monosyllable. I can hear him bantering with his friends between classes, and he's funny, and he's witty, and he's ironic. And all that voice, all that personality that I never get in his paragraphs bursts out of him the second he's not in what he considers to be an academic environment. In short, all of my kids do all of the things and have all of the basic skills that I want to teach them and want them to do, but only some of them bring that to the party at school. And the others save it for what it seems to be more useful for them, their non-school life. And that brings me back to our poem. I am not I. I am not I. I am this one walking beside me whom I do not see, whom at times I manage to visit and who at other times I forget, who remains calm and silent when I talk, who forgives gently when I hate, who walks where I am not and who will remain standing when I die. So you, you might be saying to yourself, okay, so? Well, here's the big wisdom, which is important to me and probably self-evident to everyone else. Because if you've listened to my podcast, you know it takes me a little while to get to the things that everybody else seems to understand right away. And that is this. I never get to understand or see my full student. I just get to see their school persona, which might be positive or might be negative. But that's the piece I see, and shame on me. If I'm so ignorant or so foolish as to think I can judge their entire life or predict their entire future based on the small illusions that I encounter, based on the sliver of themselves that they're willing to share with me. This reminds me to be humble and cautious in my judgments. So while academic success is very powerful and helpful, it is not by any means the only way to measure the success and power of a human being. I happen to be very good at academics. And so, of course, that's a lens that I have gravitated to, and it's a lens by which I look at the world. I've often said there's nothing but learning. Of course, that's because that's what I do and do well and get rewarded for, and so I do it increasingly and specialize in it. But God forbid that someone would measure my worth based on my ability to fix machines and use modern technology which is a fairly reasonable way to measure someone's worth. Or even worse, my ability to gain and grow wealth, which is probably the most common measurement in our society to judge someone's worth. And by those measures, I do not stack up well at all. I am not I. The problem with illusion is that it's easy for us to forget to look for the reality behind the illusion. 
This is true for people. It's true for the illusions created by technology. When we assume that the world that is filtered through our screens is exactly the same as the real world. And it's also true when we think about ourselves. And that's the final musing I have on this poem. I muse and ask myself, have I become more enamored, more committed to my false selves than to my real one? Has Jason the educator become the only Jason that I appreciate, the only Jason that I develop, the only Jason that I really pay attention to? Like many of us, I've certainly hidden from the problems and pains of my true self by throwing myself into a projected identity. All those roles I take on, that we all take on, of teacher, of citizen, of family member, of a comedian, of minister. But somewhere in all of that multiplicity of selves, there lies just Jason, a rather odd human being trying to make sense of himself, his world, and his God. And that is the person I really need to get to know. Because as Jimenez says, that, just Jason, that is the identity that is going to be calm in the storms of life, that will forgive in the violence of life. And that is the identity that will carry me past this life into the next great strange adventure beyond. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this poem and on this music and my return to the podcast. You can message me on Facebook or shoot me an email at savahadao at yahoo.com. Stay safe out there. Be healthy. Love fiercely, and of course, read more poetry.